own criminal defense attorney, Neil Rockheim. Hey everyone, it's Neil Rockheim. Welcome to another edition of Killer Cross-Examination. And the questions that I get asked the most often about the, the, my criminal defense practice, the defense of people who are accused of crimes, is, one, do, do people tell you that they did it? Two, the second most often question that I get asked, or the question I get asked the, the most often, is do, do, you, do you represent people who are guilty, who, who did it? The third, of course, is how do you represent people who are guilty or who, when you know that they, they did it? And then the, the fourth is, like, do we ask? Do you ask them? Like, fifth, have you ever represented somebody who you knew was guilty? Have you ever gotten anybody who, was, who you knew to be guilty off? These are the questions that people ask me all the time. One through five. We get asked these questions, I get asked these questions by people who have amazingly had people, relatives who've gone through the legal system, and they still ask these questions. I don't think that people necessarily fully understand what it is that I do. So let me give everybody a little primer on criminal defense lawyers criminal defense law, criminal defense practice 101. I don't sit down when people come in and have a, uh, a checklist or a litmus test or a checkbox of whether they did it or didn't. I don't have on my front door a sign that says, if you're innocent, come in. If you think you might be guilty, or you know that you did it, or the police have got a lot of evidence against you, turn around and walk away. I don't do that. I don't know any criminal defense lawyer that does that. Maybe Matlock did that, because that was Matlock, and it was maybe, um, um, yeah, Matlock. Perry Mason, Matlock. They did that. You want to know why they did that? They did that because, because, it, was, because it was fiction. Because it was show business. Because what they're doing isn't real. Real lawyers, real gritty trench warfare criminal defense lawyers, defend people in who in 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 court who are guilty, against whom there is substantial amount of evidence. Some who've confessed, others who we think to ourselves, I. I of course, I believe this person did it. I mean, they, the gun was in the guy's hand and there was smoke coming out of it, a smoking gun as he's yelling, got you, my worst enemy, you're finally dead. We defend people like that. We defend people like that. We defend people who are against whom there is some circumstantial evidence. And we have from time to time defended people who truly are wrongly accused, but they are just in the wrong place at the wrong time. The police have got the wrong person. Um, the, they are innocent. So when people come to our office, we don't sit there and say, hey, did you do it? 
Did you do it? Because if you did it, I can't be your lawyer. We don't do that. No lawyer does that. The reality is, is that the legal system grants the police extraordinary power on the street to make arrests. They grant the prosecutors extraordinary discretion to bring cases and to allow those cases to be sustained. And sometimes the people who are accused are likely did it or did do it just to be straight out, did do it. And sometimes they didn't. And a whole lot of in between. But we don't ask that question. I I don't ask that question. When people come to me, I'm not sitting there evaluating them, judging them about whether or not they're guilty or not. That is not what you want when a loved one, you or a loved one, is accused of a crime. What you want is you want someone to look at you and think to yourself that 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 you that, to have some sympathy, to have some empathy, to look at you as a person that made a a mistake or made a a, a bad judgment or had a bad day or had a bad period of time. Or someone who's just accused of a crime, and you know what? The legal system is designed to give you every benefit of the doubt, and you want to take advantage of every benefit of the doubt. If they're going to try to convict you and put you in prison or put you or your loved one in prison or in jail or to label you as a felon, then you want the legal, you want them to have to earn it. And you want a lawyer who's going to go in there and not judge you, who's not starting off with the, at the 50-yard line. We make them start off at the goal line and have to go the full 99 yards from goal line to end zone. We don't start off at the 50-yard line. And so when people come in and people, people ask me, well, do you represent people that, 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 that did it? Yeah, we do. But we don't think like that. That's not the, my mentality. I'm not part of the... The, the judgment system, that's for police officers. That's for pretrial services officers. That's for prosecutors. That's for probation officers. And maybe in some cases, that's even for judges. That's not for me. I'm not sitting there judging. I'm not part of that judgment system. I'm part of the, I, I'm not asking whether you did it or didn't do it. That's not a relevant factor for me. What's relevant for me is that if you are accused and if you um, if you're accused, then we can defend you. So I'm not sitting there thinking like that. We don't ask that question. The other thing that we do is we don't we don't ask people like whether they did it or didn't do it. That's not a factor. We ask them about who they are, about their background, about their, their, their life, about their family, about their work history, their education. We ask them about their life experiences. We may ask them about what happened or what led up to them being arrested, or what type of evidence do they believe the police have against them. But I don't go in there and just say, hey, did you do it? Tell me whether you did it or didn't do it. I don't want clients to lie to me, but we just we don't ask them questions like that. That's not a concern of ours. Again, we're not part of the judgment. 
I'm not sitting there judging people when they come to hire me. You don't want a lawyer and you don't want a system of criminal defense lawyers that are part of the judgment process. And maybe to some, it sounds callous. Maybe some of you are sitting there thinking like, that's bullshit, Rockhine. Of course you should ask. Why would you represent people who are, why would you try to help someone who's, who's guilty or someone who admits it? And the fact of the matter is, is that I, that's my, our role. Our role is to try to, to hold the state to the very highest burden. And the only way that I can do that is not to sit there and say, well, I'm going to defend my client's constitutional rights and I'm going to give them their right to, 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 their, their right to, to defense or I'm going to give them their, they have a constitutional right and I'm going to enforce that. I know there's some lawyers on TV that say that shit and there's some lawyers that talk about how, you know, I'm here to preserve my client's constitutional rights. And I see this time and time again with lawyers, particularly the lawyers that are defending people in some of these, these insurrection cases. And you can, why you take this case? And the lawyer just walks right into that trap and just gets socked with a with a with a, a punch. And rather than punch back, they give this lame answer. Well, you know, I'm here to defend my client's constitution. I am a constitutional lawyer and I protect my clients. Fuck that. Fuck that. We are here to help people at their lowest possible moment. And and as Jerry Shargle, a very, very, very well-known criminal defense lawyer, once said, he, someone said to him, a, a criminal trial is about the a criminal case is the search, is the search for the truth. And he said, if a criminal case is about the search for the truth, then don't count me as a member of the search party. And I thought that was one of the greatest examples, one of the greatest statements explaining what we criminal defense lawyers do. We are not part of the system. We are a wrench in the system. It is not my job to be concerned with whether or not my client or a person who comes to see me or the child of a parent or a wife or a loved one who comes to hire me did it. My job is to sit there and to say to them, I'm not, that, that puts me in the mindset of a prosecutor, in the mindset of a cop, that makes me judge that person. That's not my my responsibility. It's not my job. And it's not callous. My responsibility is to look at that person as a person, as someone who may have made a mistake, who may have, who be innocent, who may, about whom there may not be proof beyond a reasonable doubt, and who deserves my absolute best to try to, to have the legal system exonerate them or to have the legal system find that they are, they are not guilty or to get a reduced plea. But my job is to try to help this person at their lowest possible moment. Period. That's it. Without judgment. And the only way to do that in part is one of the only ways to do that. One of the key components to doing that is not taking part in the judgment of did he do it? Did you do it? That just makes me like a, a second prosecutor, which I, I, I'm not and we're not. So when people ask me that question, you know, have you ever do you ask people? I mean, do you ever represented somebody who, you know, is is, is guilty? I, I don't ask that. Yeah, I mean, I, of course I have. But I don't think of it in terms of guilt or not. I think in terms of proof, my responsibility is to, to, and my mindset when I take on a case is not, God, they got a lot of evidence against them. He probably did it. My mindset is, where's the weakness? Where's the person in the, who's lying? Where's the, the abusive process? Where is the, the officer that, that, that stepped over the line? Where are the police officers and the witnesses making assumptions? Where are the people that are lying to save their own skin or to try to get my client in trouble? That's where my mindset is. I start from that mindset. 
the only way to start. That's why we don't ask the question. That's why I can't. People say, well, have you ever represented somebody who knows guilty? I don't think of it in terms of guilt or innocence. I think of this person, John Doe, sitting in front of me, and God, I don't want to see the legal system get their paws on John Doe. Want to call some mercenaries? You want to say that that's lacking in principle? I disagree. And it's not, we're not mercenaries. And it's, we're not lacking in principles. It's quite the opposite is that we have, we have, we have incredible, we are incredibly principled about the fact that it is not our job to, to, to judge guilt or innocence. It is our job to look at a person and say, when they start telling the story, I start thinking about all of the places where this story could have the police could have gotten it wrong, where witnesses could be lying. And I'm sorry that things aren't just so black and white. Maybe in heaven they are. Maybe there's somebody sitting there saying, you know, holding up a sign, black, white, black, white, thumbs up, thumbs down. You know, maybe it's that absolute. But in the real world, in the cases that I see, things aren't that absolute. I've even had clients who have confessed who I did not believe actually did it. I've had clients who confess, and I didn't believe their confessions. And if you can't, if the strongest piece of evidence in the legal system is a confession, and I don't believe it, that means that I have doubt. That means that I go into that case thinking, how can I help this person? Then the question is, you know, have you, you ever gotten somebody off who you thought was guilty? I mean, these questions all start from exactly the wrong premise. People have no idea, apparently, what we do. And maybe it bothers them. Maybe they're disturbed by the fact that we don't ask about guilt or innocence. I don't sit there and think, you know, you probably did it. Therefore, I can't represent you or I shouldn't. We don't think of it like that. And if we do, we shouldn't take the case. You know? I once was, when I was a prosecutor many, many years ago, I remember doing a a preliminary examination in a case. And then I ended up getting the same case that came up for, for trial. And I went up against this lawyer and I did the case against him in the district court and did it again in circuit court. And I remember the lawyer and the lawyer just did a terrible job, terrible. And the whole time he was like in back and in the hallway and, you know, like in chambers and he was just shitting all over his client. And I thought, God, I'm never going to be that guy. Never going to be that guy. He thought the whole thing was like, and if he didn't think that it was that his insincerity sh- came through, that his that he believed his client was guilty, and he used to joke around about, well, you know, I've got more guilty pleas in me than you know than prosecutors, and I'm thinking like it's not funny, that's not a good joke. People who turn to you or who you represent, whether they're retained or retained you or appointed you or appointed by the court for you to represent it. They think that you're in there giving it your all. They don't realize that it's all a wink and a nod for you. Like, oh, uh-huh, you know, my client, there's reasonable doubt about my client, you know, comes through. The lack of sincerity comes through. So all these questions about how can you do this and these people and, you know, that, that just starts off from a place of judgment. And that lawyer that I told you about, he it was so obvious that he judged his client in the worst way. It was so apparent that he judged his client in the worst way. It's like I just saw these lawyers giving press conferences after the the insurrection. Two of them. Two did it together outside the Capitol or outside the courthouse steps. 
looked like two seasoned, experienced lawyers, and they were um, giving a you know the classic bunch of microphones like this microphone, you know, and they got the microphone, you know, and they got the microphone up, and and all these microphones are in their face, and they're doing their um, they're doing their press conference, answering questions, and I'm thinking to myself like you know. I mean, then the police, then, the, then the, the lawyers get asked like the one, the, the question. I mean, I mean, your client was seen carrying, there's a video of your client carrying the Nancy Pelosi's, um, um, you know, um, um, lectern podium out of the, out of the Capitol waving. So like, you know. I mean, how do you defend the, the? And they just walked right into it. Just got totally punched. And they, ah, well, you know, I, yeah, that's pretty damning evidence. I mean, you know, lectern and a picture and a photograph. I mean, you know, we're not magicians. Well, I, of course, we're not magicians. But whenever you represent somebody in that situation, the reason why you don't walk up there and give a press conference about that. There's a reason why you don't you don't give a press conference about that because. You're going to get asked that question. And all you can do is do what this guy did, which was basically say that your client is guilty. Well, yeah, that's pretty bad evidence. Pretty damning. Pretty awful. It's pretty bad evidence. Yeah, I don't know. Yep, they got a photograph with my client and the Capitol uninvited without permission carrying a podium out of the court, out of the Capitol. Like you just admitted that your client was guilty. If that doesn't show like a lack of sincerity and a lack of interest in actually trying to defend the guy, what were you hoping to accomplish just to talk about like what an otherwise good guy he is or what a good family he comes from? That's why the questions like, did, how can you represent these people? What people? Like, that's another question. How can you represent these people? But what people? I'm the first person you call when the police arrest you, a loved one or a child. And guess what? When you come to my office and your tears are streaming down your face and they will be. And you can't believe that the police officers who you have trusted for your entire life because you've been so like law enforcement, law enforcement, you know, pro law enforcement, pro police. Right. Like blue line matters, all that blue lives matter. The thin blue line, you're that guy or you're that you're that lady. And all of a sudden you can't believe how it is that the police have mistreated your child or have arrested your your husband with no evidence or went through your house and your drawers and your closets and just tore it apart. And you wonder, wait, these aren't the police that I've been hearing about. And I look at you and think like, yeah, they are. Yeah, they are. But when you're sitting there and you're thinking that and the tears are streaming down your face and your whole life has been turned upside down and you're facing the p potential incarceration, criminal conviction, and worse, I guarantee, I sit there, I tell you what, I don't sit there and think to myself, or you don't want me sitting there thinking to myself, you know, this is one of these people. You don't want me taking your son or your husband or your wife or your daughter and lumping them into the category of these people. You want me to see your son or your daughter, your husband or your wife, your parent, your child, your relative, as a unique individual worthy of saving, worthy of defending, worthy of testing every single bit of the government's case. And even if deep down inside you know or you believe that your 
husband, wife, mother, father, daughter, son, cousin, aunt, I don't care, did it. If the case gets thrown out, the evidence gets suppressed, the case gets thrown out, or a jury finds your your loved one not guilty, you ain't sitting there thinking to yourself, you know what, a guilty person got free. You're thinking to yourself, thank God. Thank God and thank Rockhand. That's what you're thinking. Or if it's not me, thank God and thank whomever the lawyer is. Because we didn't judge your loved one. We didn't prejudge. We didn't become part of the search for the truth. We didn't become part of the the, the judgment system. We didn't consider ourselves part of the legal system to just make sure things are orderly and to protect your loved one's constitutional rights. We did our job, which was to try to find every way to test, stretch, and break the prosecutor's case. And we did it thinking that in the end, we aren't judging this person other than we just want to help out your relative. We looked at your relative like a real, genuine, sincere person, not as one of these people or as a crook or a criminal. It's just the way it works, folks. I saw another lawyer give an interview. Man, this guy in one of these insurrection cases, he gave an, another guy gave an interview. I mean, it was brutal. And it was he tried to blame, you know, the president and he his defense was going to be that the president was at fault and his defense was going to be uh, he wanted at least maybe it wasn't his defense. That was his public speaking point. And so he, like the other guys, got, you know, stuck themselves, stuck their mugs on television. And we're going to talk about even there's a video of, of, of the client, like throwing a fire extinguisher uh, at the at a police officer and hitting the officer in the head. He wanted to say that, you know, he wanted to try his talking point was to try to blame the president. And he just got eaten up again because that's not an interview that he was doing with an idea of trying to help his client. That was an interview he was doing trying to help him. And I'm sorry, that's just that's not what this is about. We don't look at the clients like and you're guilty or you're not guilty. These people. Did you do it or not do it? I can't represent you if you're guilty. Man, if that's the mindset of any criminal defense lawyer, you know, if that you ought to tell that person to get out of the game. You need to tell if, and if you have a you sit down with some criminal defense lawyer and he starts talking to you that way. Push your chair away from the table. Get up and don't walk away. Run the fuck out of there because that lawyer is going to take part in processing you. That lawyer is going to be part of the judgment system, not part of the system that's designed and not and part of the system, not working against the system to try to protect you at all costs. You know, it, it never ceases to amaze me when how the fast and um, immediate transition I mean, the metamorphosis that people go through who were super pro-law enforcement, who thought that the legal system was was slanted and skewed in favor of the, the criminal and that the police, we should do everything we could to support the police and Blue Lives Matters and all that. And then 
as soon as a loved one of, of theirs gets in trouble, they are in my office sitting there with the look on their face, like totally dumbfounded, like, I can't believe that this happened. I mean, I've never known. The police have always been the good guys in my life. I can't believe that they've done this. I'm blown away. And they aren't sitting there saying to me, like, you know what, Neil? My son did it, so he's guilty. Looking at me like, can you help us? We don't want his life to be ruined. And I'm like, yeah, I can help. I don't want his life ruined. So maybe maybe at some point down the way, down the road, along the way, society will stop looking at us lawyers, us criminal defense lawyers, and asking these questions about, like, how can you represent these people? Do you ever represent someone you know is guilty? Does anybody ever tell you they did it? And, you know, and, and, and you ever represented someone who you know is guilty? Uh, you ever gotten someone off who's guilty? Anybody ever admitted they did it and you still represented them? How about scrapping all those questions? And just saying, you know, I'm glad that there are guys out there that, God forbid, I get in trouble that are going to look at me like a human being, like a person who should be protected at all costs, like someone who has a future and doesn't want whatever the legal system has cooked up for him, whatever the facts may be, to ruin their future and their life. That's what you want. Not to borrow from um, uh, a few good men, but as Colonel Jessup said, you need me or people like me on that wall. You need people like me on that front line. You need me on that wall. And if it's not me, it's one of my contemporaries, but you need us on that wall. And you need us to be willing to shoot at anything that endangers you or your loved one. And I'm speaking figuratively, of course, but that's what you need. We are sentinels and we are here to protect. We're here to protect anybody that hires us, retains us, or if your court appointment is assigned to, to whom you're assigned. And we're going to do that passionately, without judgment, without prejudgment, and without prejudice. This is Neil Rockhine. This has been another edition of the podcast, Killer Cross-Examination. You can find us on the web at www.killercrossexamination.com. You can find us on YouTube. I got my own channel. You can find all of these podcasts uploaded on the Neil Rockheim channel. You can find us on all platforms where our podcasts are available, Apple, Spotify, Google, and there's probably a whole bunch of other ones that we're available on too. But this podcast is growing and growing and growing, and we're here for you. We're here to help your lawyers help you, and we're here to help you get more justice in your own lives and in the courtroom. Thanks for tuning in. Cross-examination. A podcast by your host, the nationally renowned criminal defense attorney, Neil Rockheim.